Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 418 of Pixels and Ink, the official podcast of CG Magazine, where we take a critical eye to gaming, comics, tech, and media. I'm your host today, Chris DeHoog, and I'm joined by our editor-in-chief, Brendan Fry. Hello there, Chris. And Jordan Biorti. Yo! How's it going, guys? Good so far. Pretty good. I would I would say uh, that I've got have had the complete Brazil experience now. I watched the World Cup here. I went to Carnaval, and I got dengue fever. So the big three. What? <laughs> yeah, what? I got dengue. That's why I was sick all last week. I had dengue fever. I think it is a cold. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's it's not that serious. Like my girlfriend's That's brother scary. apparently had it three times. So yeah, it just sounds scary, but it was like it was like a fever, a rash, and like just like lethargy. Sounds amazing. Good on you. <laughs> it sucked, <laughs> but apparently it's you know it's you're gonna get it at some point if being Brazilian. Like sure. It's probably a discussion we have about, about, about prevention, but I mean, I'm not yeah. really an expert to talk about that. Uh, yeah, it's been a little bit since we've been on the air, so we got a lot of stuff to catch up on. We do. Uh, uh, sorry about that. We've had, there's been a lot going dengue. on. Dengue. <laughs> travel. <laughs> yeah. Brennan and Dana have been all over the place lately. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then you're, you have things planned, apparently, which you can't I talk about yet, but you have things planned. planned. But I might actually be back in time to record that day. So. Oh, really? I, I, I don't know. I'm back that day, so we'll see. <laughs> Dana says. The ghost of Dana is chiming in. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, we're going to talk today, uh, start off today by talking about uh, a bit of a strange, not strange, but uh, a sea change at uh, Bethesda. Yeah. The uh, esteemed creator Shinji Mikami is leaving Tango DreamWorks. The subsidiary mm -hmm. of bethesda that uh, he helped found uh, hot off the success of hi-fi rush yeah um that is it's weird because that studio kind of started as kind of like a horror studio because it had um the within and then it had uh ghostwire tokyo and then it had hi-fi rush which is not at all like any of those other games we just listed Shinji <laughs> mm -hmm. Bakami himself too right like best known for resident evil it's yeah, really we, weird. He, he, yeah. Now, now, I, I that, from like Evil Within, sorry, the, and then uh, Ghostwire Tokyo last year, and then High Five Rush, very yeah. colorful and totally different. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like seeing creators go beyond, um, you know, what they're known for. I mean, he he also was one of the people that worked on. He's like a producer of Devil May Cry, mm -hmm. Dino Crisis, Steel Battalion, Killer Seven, yeah, right. God Hand. Big hand at Capcom, yeah. Uh, Shadow of the Damned. Oh, it's a great uh, game. Yeah, so he did All a he did, there, basically, yeah. Yeah, so he did a lot of stuff. Um, but it is kind of just interesting to see what he will do next. But also, was he the biggest name at that studio? I would imagine so, just by the virtue that he's one of like the biggest names in gaming, right? I mean, well, I mean, like, it's like, next to, like yeah. Shinji Mikami, uh, like Kojima, Akira, to the um, Kiri Yamaoka. Um, 
Thank you. <laughs> I was getting all I was getting all tongue tied. <laughs> like I mean, what, keep that up. Suda, Suda fifty one. Like though, I feel like those are the names that like first come to mind when you kind of think of those like auteur like game creators or like game producers. So I would say he was probably probably the biggest. Hmm. Just because he had such a hand too, like in the company, like he wasn't, he didn't just kind of like start the company and then like, and then it was kind of like, all right, I'm done now. Yeah, like he really worked he hands on a lot of those games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, did, now I I can't remember if like like while I was seeing this announcement, did did he did they like say he's like entering retirement or he's just leaving the company and he's he just leaving the company? He, I don't. There's no talk of retirement from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, if you go to cgmagonline.com, you can read the full story. But yeah, from what I understand, there's no talk of retirement. He's just stepping away from Tango Gameworks. Maybe and he's still there for a few months to go. Like he's not just like he's not yeah. gone yet. He's phasing out. Over the he's next not just months. like I'm bailing. Peace out, y'all. <laughs> like weird turmoil within Bethesda. The, the Microsoft-owned Bethesda. That is actually a good question. Yeah, he just decided to leave. There's there's nobody to answer that, of course, but it is a good speculation. (laughs) I I think right now um, the gaming industry is kind of in flux right now because you have the big deal that's going on with Microsoft and Activision, which we can kind of touch on quickly. Um, But you also have the fact that Microsoft just let go a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And the gaming industry is just generally changing. We're kind of going away from the strictly $69.99 sales model to a more subscription-based model for most of the industry. There are still people that buy the day one game, but a lot of people are now just kind of waiting for it to come on the service like it is a Netflix type thing. Um, I don't know how that's going to change things, especially at Bethesda, where it is Microsoft and everything they release does launch day and date on Game Pass. So that kind of does change how people view buying a game or getting a game. That and just like like all those names that we mentioned earlier too, like that's just like a you know half of like the big names in Japanese game development. That whole generation of developer is getting up there now. Like Mikami yeah. himself mm-hmm. is fifty-seven, I believe, and but that's not um, that old. No, but I mean, no. you are approaching retirement age technically, and I don't. I, I feel that the concept of retirement age has kind of changed. Unless you're like working as like a bricklayer, you can work <laughs> pretty late. You can work into your seventies in game development. I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might not want to. Depends what you're doing, really, right? I kind of get what Chris is saying though, because it just like it just reminded me like uh, recently. I, there was an interview too that um, that uh, Shigeru Miyamoto did, basically yeah, kind of saying like yeah. what like Nintendo will be like once like he's mm-hmm. done there, right? So it's like even him, who's like probably what like well into his seventies now. Seventy, yeah. No, is he really seventy? Yeah. Um. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Like eventually, even though like to to, to your point, Brendan, like I, I think. They're, you're not totally wrong like it, it, in game development especially for like creators who kind of like even mm-hmm. like like Miyamoto specifically who kind of don't really work in development anymore and are kind of just more like producing or like sort of like yeah like creative leads or whatever but like at a certain point even even then you kind of just want to like enjoy your retirement enough to think yeah. about or focus on work I that mean, kind of 
it, it depends on what it, it also depends on what you enjoy doing like some of these developers true that is what they find fun they that yeah. is what they do they if they weren't doing that they'd be bored that there's a lot of people even, like that i would say even even like like i would say that culturally too because i know like japanese work mm -hmm. culture is a lot different in terms of like like when you should work, yeah. when you should stop, kind of like compared to like Western ideologies about it. So oh, 100%. There, but, it's a very different um, culture when you have, it is kind of part of who your identity is, your what you produce and how you, and how you help your team. So I can kind of see how that might change as these developers get older, but it also does depend on what they want out. Like, do they want to keep creating? They might do smaller studios. They might... Uh, step back and and do kind of more just kind of like consulting type stuff but i can see i could see some of these developers working for a while longer it just might not be they're the face of those companies they might be just kind of step back and like okay other people can take the reins i'll give ideas and kind of bounce ideas off things but i'm not going to be like a face anymore yeah and yeah. i feel and Shinji Mikami on tango gameworks was very much the face of that studio yeah it's um there's like there's a lot of, there's a lot of creators out there that are kind of like in semi-retirement like here Nova Sakaguchi from from Final Fantasy and Squaresoft uh for example like yeah after he left Squaresoft he founded his own company but he's essentially semi-retired like they don't they don't keep up a rigorous schedule of, of projects yeah. um yeah. I think they released like four or five games and at, at Miss Walker his studio since he left in 2003 so really? um yeah like, <laughs> they're not keeping up a strict pace so um mm. I think once you've kind of establish yourself like Sakaguchi, Miyamoto, and uh, and Mikami have. Like, you can kind of coast for a while and kind of semi-retire, kind of, and like you say, dip your toes in where you want to, pursue yeah. the projects that you want to kind of pursue. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, so we have, like, to come back to what I was starting to say there, like, we have this cohort of game developers, at least in, in Japanese development, and to a lesser extent in Western development, that are kind of age reaching that retirement age. As the industry is shifting heavily towards digital and whole new yeah. paradigms, that's just, true. Just talking about this kind of makes me realize that there could be quite a huge sea change coming in the way that games are, are made and who's making them. I, I also like think five ten years. I think there's also going to be a sea change with like how people view games and how what they consider like what they consider the the top tier like experience. There's a lot of been talk about like there's indie games and there's triple a then there's there's the b level games that people don't talk about that much but i think that is changing a lot uh, indie studios are producing some really exciting things that it's hard it has become hard to differentiate between an india studio and triple a now especially with some of like the more uh, polished experiences and even beyond that you have like look at this way stray was technically an indie game yeah Mm -hmm. and and that like 10 years ago that would have been considered a, a top tier triple a game it's just the the tools are becoming more democratized there's going to be coming more ways to release these things and there's going to be more platforms to release them on also the fact that well the ps3 generation eighth eight that was eighth right don't quote me on that um mm. they had limits with the fact that the hardware was complex Every one of those systems was completely architected differently. Now it's simpler. Like the PS5 and the Xbox Series X are almost the same hardware. It's just different software on top of it and a little bit of different changes here or there. But if you develop for PC, it'll work on all those platforms. You might have a few different issues with the Xbox might not be able to do X or Y, but really they're similar. Mm -hmm. So 
if you indie studios can do so much more than they could even 10 years ago and even beyond that how people get your games is different like Fortnite, for example that is that if people keep talking about metaverse that is a metaverse that is where you go you can play anything it is tons of different modes and it really is just more of a sandbox to build things on top of yes there's a battle royale mode but it's basically a, a showcase for unreal engine and i think as gaming moves forward you're going to see more of that kind of experience hmm. Yeah, it's actually yeah, interesting even, too. Like, like you're, you're saying, it's it's they're essentially the same thing, but it's at the same time, game development cycles are paradoxically getting longer. Yeah, like it's taking six, seven mm-hmm. years to make a game. So by the time you know a new game, AAA game hits, it's kind of outdated or seems cliche or whatever because it's using tropes that writing wise yeah. that were oh, popular. One hundred percent. I'm seeing so much of that where you have games that like seemed like they were cutting edge when they first announced. Now you're like. That's been done. Like indie games have done that like five times before this point. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know how From Software has the development cycle it does because they've released a lot of stuff each generation, and I don't know how they do it when other studios producing one to two games a generation. They've produced like three or four. Like the PS4 generation, how many? Like, they had like there was four FromSoft games that generation, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Because between between what like Demon Souls, Dark Souls, um, I'm sh- pretty sure they released a like one or two armored core. I know at least the 360 had like two yeah. or three armored cores. Mm-hmm. They were they were pumping them out. <laughs> so I mean, like I don't know. It depends on how your development is, what you're trying to do, and how you iterate on what you on the thing lessons you've learned. I think. There are some studios that really can do that quickly. And yes, Dana wants armor. <laughs> I mean, we all do, don't we? Fair. But, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know. Um, do we see this changing? Like, this is kind of a sign that there is a changing of the guard with a lot of these studios. Do we see it, people moving away from working in the big studio system and moving to more indie? Or how do we see it happening? I I honestly don't know because it's like like it it kind of still feels like at least from a business perspective like mm-hmm. you have you kind of have like indies that are either like self-funded or rely on like some of the the publishers that are better known for working with indies like Devolver right. or like even like like Annapurna. Seed Annapurna um or you like you have like the big AAA um, like established companies that are always going to sort of like be there unless you know they really mess up and go under yeah uh like so it just it, you're you're always gonna i think have that divide but yeah. it's like naturally you, you, you're gonna have it just because even too like like kind of like um like to to sort of like build on what you were saying like it's there's a kind of like a uh that like the um, a difference in in mentalities of how yeah. games are made and we were talking about this the i think the, the last time we recorded too right, right like right. like we're you know the triple a publishers are always going to sort of like make games that are a bit more safe they're kind of following the trends mm-hmm. and and sort of mm-hmm. delivering to to a wide audience where the indies are going to be take a little bit more uh risks and like and make uh experiences that are a bit more personal to them and yeah. like and and 
cater to a more niche audience, but it's like it's they're delivering to the niche, right? So yeah. whether or not they get the budgets to do that is always going to de- just depend on what uh, like what publishers really willing to take a chance on them, right? Yeah. Because I don't think like look at like um, just recently too, there was that uh, like that big update we wrote about for uh, for Phasmophobia. And I was looking at it like like just watching a little bit of gameplay, and even like I sort of like dove into a uh, a little bit, and it's like like markedly different from like when you go back like three four years to when that game mm-hmm. kind of like first came out and was a little it was rough and janky and just the way it looked to yeah. like now, it's like next level good. <laughs> and they don't have like like they it's 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 a small team that that made it like they they don't have big um like backing from any like notable mm-hmm. publisher so like it, it, yeah like kinetic games they just they did it they put the time in and like mm-hmm. it's it's genuinely good now but like you think like 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 no no triple a publisher or like no AAA studio really would have looked at a game like Phasmophobia or like even like come up with that idea. Like, you know, yeah. that just like that. Cause it, it, it almost, it almost seemed like it started as a streamer game, but like it's, you know, it's, it's concept the, the, the fact that like, you know, horror is considered a niche audience. So like, you know, right. people aren't going to make it cause they're not going to make a ton of money off of it. Like it never would have happened if it wasn't for an indie studio, like with a genuine vision to make it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The AAA can't take those risks, right? Like the, again, the, the development cycle has become too long for them mm-hmm. to like waste six years on a gamble. 100%. Um, but like, yeah, look, even look at like, um, was that new game from uh, Atomic Heart? Yes. Mm-hmm. That game has a lot of problems, but mm-hmm. that's technically an indie game. Let's take that a second to remember that. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's true. That game looks like it. It might not. It might not have like the polish of like like a Bioshock, but it definitely has the scope of those sort of games. And the fact that it is really it is done by a smaller studio is unfathomable, considering that is something you could not have imagined like ten years ago. A small studio producing that game. Wild Hearts was who not Wild, Wild Hearts. Uh, uh, Wild Hearts was that's the that- different game. Yeah, yeah, no, I was just thinking that, like was that, that was a similar case because that was a yeah, that was technically an EA, uh, uh... yeah, in EA, in oh, like, EA, EA sorry, yeah, Force, yeah. 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 I, I, but those I, are big, I kept thinking it was more of an indie type game, uh, when I saw it marketed and stuff like that, but uh, mm-hmm. no, those are those like are like a... some of the biggest studios in Japan, so no, yeah, yeah, no, because <laughs> I'd say maybe the, the, the closest thing to it maybe is like Dauntless if you if you're talking like an indie studio that kind of like, yeah took a gamble on that kind of gameplay. Didn't Dauntless get bought by Epic though? Um I believe because um what was in the, uh, the, the studio um yeah cuz cuz Phoenix Labs didn't Phoenix Labs get bought by Epic? So I am looking this up and we're going to find it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. we are looking it up right now. I could have swore it, st- it started off as like a um oh no no it was it was I think it was it was distributed by Epic, but I don't think Garena bought it. Okay, I don't know what they are, yeah. but they are uh, legal. What? <laughs> They're a publisher of League of Legends in Asia. Like they 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 have money. Weird. Yeah, 
I don't sure, but they yeah they've been purchased by something that was bigger than them. <laughs> so yeah, so they were they 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 were always doing okay, I think. But uh, yeah, still, I don't, like, I don't know. in terms of in terms of keeping the through line of the conversation, even like even uh, a little, Phoenix little tension was, yeah. was kind of considered a like an indie studio that was kind of like pumping yeah, out exactly. pretty i would say pretty high level games dauntless was it wasn't like uh, it, it wasn't like you know monster hunter world right. level game but it was still pretty good for what for a free-to-play game too like oh, yeah 100 like i think the answer is we we really got a, kind of got off tangent here but <laughs> as shinji um shinji mikami moving away i don't necessarily that means think that he's getting out of gaming he just might be stepping away from the system that he's kind of stuck in yeah. right now he might do an indie studio who knows what he might do he might make books i don't know we don't know until he says so um <laughs> he'll be on hand but i i could see a, a lot of these developers wanting to move away and do something of their own even look at grasshopper um uh Suda 51 studio got bought by who bought that game? <laughs> I forget, but uh, but when it was purchased, he kind of left, and now he's doing his own thing again. So I yeah, think I guess they, they, they want to stay mobile, and they want to they want to be able to do the things they want. And as soon as they kind of feel constrained by the systems they're in, they move on, and that makes perfect sense. Uh, I think um, uh, Miyamoto is one of the few that has stuck with the company he started with, but I think a lot of these developers. They go where it, where it gives them the freedom to do the things they want to do, and as soon as you can't do that, mm -hmm. they move on and find something you can. It's very, it's very true of Nintendo in general. Like you don't you know, typically see the creators at Nintendo straying far. No, um, they they kind of stay with that company, and I I don't know why they have that loyalty, but you know something, I appreciate they do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm. It, it speaks something to the conditions at Nintendo. I think at least for like the higher ups, the right. driving creation and stuff that. You know, stay with us, and we'll let you do what you want. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> let you explore a little bit, because yeah, you know, very few people have left that. Like, and even like um, Metroid producer uh, creator, or I'm blanking on his name now, but he's like not at Nintendo, I believe, but he's kind of like close, and he works with the studios on the on he the does, yeah. titles, like Mercury Stream. Um, yeah, yeah. Once <laughs> you don't really get out of Nintendo, which I guess says something for them. Exactly, but, so. but um, on that note, do we want to talk about? The other, the tangential story to this? Yeah, the tangential thing uh, has come up also since Shinji Mikami announced his uh, departure from his studio. Uh, this week, uh, Square Enix announced that it's kind of absorbing Luminous Productions back into itself. Mm -hmm. um, so it seems... spun off from Square. Is that how it originally worked? Yeah, so Luminous was the team um, from, oh my god, I'm blanking on his name now. But uh, the the director of Final Fantasy 15, or the final okay. <laughs> final director of Final Fantasy 15, uh, Luminous Productions was his studio, um, and they were laying the groundwork for for Spoken before he left, um, mm -hmm. and it kind of went on without him after he left and created his own thing, um, and they've only really done well Final Fantasy 15 tangentially before they were called Luminous Productions, and then for Spoken, and now they're absorbed back into Square Enix. It sounds a lot more heavy than it really is i think because I mean, they were part of square enix anyways maybe not like officially but they were like that close anyways to kind of absorb them back in is feels like a technicality to me but mm -hmm. or spoken was really that polarizing huh i don't 
<laughs> I think the end. I think I feel people That's are just. <laughs> Polar, well, it is polarizing. It is that they did polarize people. But they were like, disease, we gave you one chance, and this is what you you did. All right, come back, come back to daddy. <laughs> well, I mean, and again, it, it, you made that it weird. Was... You made that real weird. <laughs> yeah, that got weird. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was it was kind of made for uh, the uh, director that left, right? Like it's. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what the hell was his name? <laughs> use this. Use this name rattles off my tongue here. Uh, uh, Hajime Tabata. T- Tabata. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So like after he left, I mean, I kind of part of me is a little surprised they kept it separate, right? Like yeah. Um. It, they, they they have like a weird spot as like one of Square Enix's studios, but yeah, I don't know. I, again, I don't I don't really get the point of absorbing him when they already were part of it. <laughs> I feel it's it's a power move to show that Scorinus is taking the reins again type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really don't like business wise. I don't know if it makes much sense. Um, but yeah, it feels like it's more of square parents saying we, we know there are problems. We're trying to fix them, even if they're necessarily aren't real problems. Yeah. Kind of a, I don't want to say saving face. Cause that's, there was a smear campaign against the game, essentially, and it's not their fault. <laughs> like, aside well, from the marketing, um, I, I feel the marketing wasn't great. But that's—I mean, you could say that about any game. I, I don't feel that yeah. was the, the problem with the game. I feel it was because it reviewed well. No, it reviewed fine. I don't think it reviewed yeah. well. Yeah. We gave it a good score, but there's a lot of people that like uh, they hated aspects of it, and there's a lot of people that liked aspects of it, like any game. Mm-hmm. Um. I just feel that people had it in their minds this was a problem, and then nothing anyone said could change it. And it, that's that kind of toxicity of the console war that is stupid, and no one needs to worry about that anymore. Uh, but it also kind of tied in with the fact that Sony was going against this Microsoft deal with Activision, and the, the Xbox fanboys were finding any reason to kind of jump onto Sony, and that was one of them. That is too. And it kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier with like, you know, the game development cycle taking so long, people were complaining about the dialogue and the trailers and stuff. And even once the game came out, people were trying to cherry pick lines of dialogue and say, Oh, it's so bad. It's so cringy. Mm-hmm. But then like literally um, comparing the script of Spider-Man, the PS4 slash PS5 title, um, if you compare the script of that game to Forspoken, it's a lot of the same tricks. It's a lot of the same narrative jokes. Yeah. Um, people didn't complain about that. You know, when Spider-Man came out, um, but again, Spider-Man came out at the around the time where this would have been starting production. So yeah. you're taking that 2017, 2018 dialogue and releasing it in 2023 at a time when people are kind of burned out on the whole Marvel model of dialogue and, and quipping and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I mean, uh, even look at the development cycle, partly. I think even you're seeing that with Marvel movies as well, with just kind of getting slightly off topic here, but like how Ant-Man and Quantumania didn't do great and people kind of are burned out on that marvel formula so if forspoken is kind of bringing forward that same kind of concept i can see why people just it didn't click with a lot of people because of that if mm-hmm. and if the trailers are kind of showing off that thing it isn't kind of in vogue anymore even though it was definitely in vogue when they kind of started things yeah, if if games could be released that quickly, if you could like have you have the time to release a AAA game on that kind of pinpoint accuracy, 
uh, would be a different story altogether. But I mean, mm. I, I appreciate at least that they've tried to do something unique with open world games. Yeah, um, it's probably the most fun I had playing an open world game, as I said in my review, since like Breath of the Breath of the Wild, like is the first game yeah. to kind of feel mm-hmm. unique in any way when it comes to open world games. Sort of again, Spider Man. I mean, Spider Man is open world as well, but it was doing a, a similar mechanic that you know was established on the PS One with the Activision Spider Man games or yeah. the NeverSoft uh, titles. Just remember NeverSoft. Yeah. That was a company. Yeah, that was a company. <laughs> Speaking of, it was, and now it's Tony part Fox. of Call of Duty. Yeah, that's the biggest one of the biggest shames out there. I think I I have to say that I think. Th- as the industry becomes more consolidated, we are losing a lot of those unique concepts that kind of make mm-hmm. gaming interesting. Um, that's why I like seeing new studios form that try, kind of bring new ideas to the table. But when they go away, it's kind of like, oh, I'm, I guess we won't see that kind of risk again for a while because every time there's a risk, it doesn't sell as well as the release, the re-upmaster of one of the games they did. And they just kind of say, ah, no, we're not doing that for a while. <laughs> and that's sad because to, for this industry to actually be interesting and moving forward, you need to see something beyond just the latest remaster of a game that came out five years ago. And open world game number 510. <laughs> yeah, so many open world games. Yeah, I was just I was just thinking like like when when you said that uh, Brendan about like kind of like consolidation like it makes me wonder too like like with all of the stuff that's kind of been going on at Square Enix like right. whether or not like kind of just absorbing Luminous back into them like having uh, maybe like more stability for game design is something that they're like maybe like playing the long game for because like I they I'm, I I can almost I can confidently bet that they probably lost their shirt on all that NFT investment. And then they, you know, opened and closed like nine different live service games that nobody gave a shit about. So now it's like, maybe, maybe, maybe like this is just like them kind of like reevaluating and say, okay, like, you know, we tried to make a quick buck. It didn't work. And now we need to like try and save face by getting like actual competent game developers back into our like main company and producing like actual video games. I mean, yeah, I, the... I, I, I mean, if you follow like the Reddit trends, um, everyone's kind of speculating that um, Square Enix is trying to basically make themselves lean. So Sony will buy them with especially with that that call of duty sort of activision merger that's currently in the works that is still endlessly being struggled with um because <laughs> yeah, that because yeah. it, it it kind of people are speculating that that's why they got rid of they fire sailed all the idos stuff because they wanted to make themselves as lean and mean as possible so it looks good on paper so sony can swoop in and make them Just part of them like up. one of the i don't i don't know how much truth is in that i know a lot of like video game insiders have said that's what they're trying to do but how true is that i don't know um Mm -hmm. square is still a massive conglomerate i don't know how affordable they are i mean chris would know better than i if that is something that would be something they'd look into but market values aren't my forte but i mean they have a great relationship with both nintendo and sony right now so yeah um, I think if that was their intent, they'd have to have some caveats to it that you know we need to still be able to work with Nintendo. 
I mean, right now, Sony's letting um, the MLB studio work with anyone. Uh, they're letting the de- de- uh, Bungie is currently able to produce release on any platform they choose. So it, I guess it depends on what kind of deal they'd look to set up. Because it looks like uh, Bungie has said Sony's getting the freedom to be independent. They might be owned by Sony, but they can release on any platform they choose. They can. They don't need to do day and date for PS5. They just kind of are. That is their parent company. So yeah, and that's that's enough. I think that for them, yeah, right. Like they don't need to clamp down, right? Because like that's the anti-competitive anti, aspect of the yeah of the acquisition is being like mine. Like, and I think I think also Sony's right now is trying to avoid looking like that because yeah. <laughs> it's hard for them to be like you shouldn't let this activision deal go through because they'll be anti-competitive but we're going to lock in everything we have and they can't buy it <laughs> well it wasn't it wouldn't it just be like smarter too because this is like a lot like a lot of the stuff that i feel like people were kind of talking about when when microsoft decided to buy like half the game studios in the world they bought like, a lot yeah <laughs> that like that like owning owning bethesda and like having your name sort of like attached to it like and like game sales from Bethesda games would still kind of like go back to benefit Microsoft. So releasing yeah. on every platform would just make better like fiscal sense because like if 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 a Bethesda game which is owned by Microsoft is selling on a PlayStation, who cares where it's selling? Like at the end of the day, dollars are dollars. And I think you also look at the fact that the recent report was saying that Sony right now is sold, I think it's thirty million PS5s and. Microsoft has sold under 20 million Xbox it's hard, series. It's hard to tell with them because they <laughs> obscure their numbers. They do not they release do. those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's what... We're that's what think PS5s. But that's what like the numbers are saying right now, at least of what people can find. So mm-hmm. it'd be dumb to not release on PS5 if you have a studio. Absolutely. Like It is one of the hottest platforms around. I still find it kind of obtuse to use... I don't like Sony's menu system, but that's beside the point. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's no perfect UI for a game console still. I think, I like think we never I, quite got there. I think uh, Xbox is... The is Wii easy. would like to have a talk. Uh, we I got think, close. <laughs> Wii U even got close. I think <laughs> Xbox is good. I think they put way too many ads on the platform. If the, I don't yeah. want to be marketed to, especially if like... Even if you have like the base level account, they market that thing. They market every new release they have hard on you. And sometimes, you know, so like I don't want to see what games I want to buy. I just want to play a game and be done with it. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact you can't turn that stuff off to me is annoying, especially for consoles that cost seven hundred bucks. I don't want to have to be fighting with like the random ads for whatever nonsense Microsoft's pushing that day, be it a TV show or a random thing. I just want to be play a game, and I think Sony's is a little less pushy. Uh, yeah, but even that, yeah, you want to go to the store, you'll see ads. It's fine, but I don't want to see ads right start the system up. That's a little annoying and a little bit much. And I think Microsoft, you know, could tone that back a bit, just, just a bit. Yeah, definitely. The I don't love their UI on the on the Xbox One at all because it's just. Yeah, it's just outdated. <laughs> Nintendo came real close though. Uh, then they took a big yeah. step back because the Switch is. Oh yeah, so the Switch is. <laughs> I mean, to be the Switch is kind of like the PS4. It feels kind of like how the PS4 is. It's just like one line of things. It's 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 and... yeah, it's it's much more simplistic. PS4 at least had like themes and stuff, whereas like yeah, the, the Switch took away like. 
the awesome ambient music that the Wii and Wii U had yeah. and, and all that stuff. And they just made it just blank. Here it is. I will say the fact that Sony has been promising folders and PS5 for years now and it's still not here <laughs> is kind of bonkers. <laughs> State of game development, man. It takes six years to make folders. Yeah, like, folders are tough, folder. man. <laughs> I want a folder. How long to to get a to get a shopping cart in the store? Well, they have a wish list at least. That's something. Yeah. PS4 Nintendo still don't, don't even have that much. You can't even uh, have a shopping any, cart. Anyways, just bring back the ambient music, Nintendo, please. I'm yes. you. That's all we want. Um, because that was so, so, I, I would just leave the console on, listen to that. So that's fair. Oh, no, all the, all yeah. the fun music, like the me shop, the we like the shop channel, like everything had fun music. It was character. There was character. Yeah. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> Uh, kind of touched on two potential topics. Where where, where do you want to go next? Do you want to go to the Activision, Microsoft, Saga? Yeah, let's go, let's go to that. Let's just let's just touch in with all the nonsense that's going on there. It's hard to jump in on this one because so much happens every week. There's like big comments, like we can't do this because of that. And I mean, I, I'm gonna this. I mean, I'm gonna just go over just just some of the big points that I think are kind of worth noting. First, the shit poster that is that Activision see uh Activision executive that keeps shit posting <laughs> on Twitter and it's like that you're not helping your case dude like uh the woman that keeps putting like uh, she put like those memes about like why Sony's being a, like mean to them and how like Microsoft should buy them is she the one that was like, "Oh, look at how well the Last of Us is doing. We should get yeah. to do act- we should get this thing to go through." Yeah, she's yeah, did that. that. Did some other like just like straight up shit posting and everyone's like <laughs> why you are a highly paid executive maybe stop playing into trolls just saying it's it's a strategy um i mean it's a it's a dumb concept the fact that sony doesn't make all the money from the last of Us show they make a licensing fee that doesn't necessarily mean that su- that they suddenly have a bigger market share microsoft is still a bigger company that them having a single tv show doesn't change that just because the Halo show didn't do great doesn't mean <laughs> like those aren't co- uh, there's no correlation there. I've got to find that quote because I was just this isn't the the flex you think it is. <laughs> it's it's really not. It's just like hey, uh, something they've based a property on is doing well. They should let us buy a bigger company. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, they should let us be absorbed. Wh- why? How does? <laughs> I just don't see the logic there. They're not connected. Yeah, it was. Um, well, shit posting is about as good a title as you can call it. Anything, actually. Yeah. Um, it's literally just like fanning. It's just fanning the flames of fanboyism, and it doesn't help anything. If they want to buy, honestly, it, uh, like honestly, like a lot of the um, comments that have come out from Activision and Microsoft about the whole situation have just been had that same tone to me. Yeah. Um, okay. Here it is. <laughs> So, so hi at FTC. Did you catch last night's episode of The Last of Us? It was incredible. So flattery to your opponent. Okay. There you go. No wonder the show is breaking records. It's a true blockbuster, watched by tens of millions, blah, 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 blah. If you haven't already, you should check it out. You may already be particularly interested in the fact that uh, just by Sony, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's based on a uh, Sony-based game. Why does this matter? The FTC is opposed to the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal on the grounds that Microsoft could suppress competition from rival consoles by leveraging Activision games. Um, yeah, basically saying like, "Hey, Microsoft can't do this. Why can Sony do it?" Like, 
because you tried and failed with Halo, and it like yeah, <laughs> that exists. People can watch it. They just choose not to. In gaming, Sony is the first of us. Great pun. And they'll be just fine without the FTC's protection. The FTC isn't protecting Sony. They're protecting consumers. Yeah. Like, that's the biggest thing you have to understand here. So, like, There's a lot of people that would be upset and potentially be worried if this deal goes through. And there's been lots of things that the um, European Commission has also done to say, hey, if you don't, if you spin off uh, the Call of Duty division and make its own company, we'll let this through. And Microsoft's like, we can't do that. <laughs> okay. And then, like, the other one was Sony wanted in perpetuity. Like, basically, for as long as Call of Duty exists, you have to allow it on Sony platforms. And Microsoft's like, nah, we're not doing that either. Uh, best thing to do is 10 years. Yeah. But my, my point is, Sony's very good at these in perpetuity deals because that's why they still have Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're basically like, yeah, as long as we make games for it, or sorry, as long as we make movies, we get those rights. And Marvel yeah. was dumb and agreed with that. And now it's part of Disney. They're like, we really want that property back. <laughs> <Nuh-uh>. <laughs> but, but, but even the, still, like even even just like the way that they can have like shared rights, because it, like yeah. it, you know, the, like Sony definitely probably got the best end of that deal. But like you know, oh, back in those days. Like with Marvel not knowing what they were doing in the movie department, they they signed a lot of bad deals with with people. Right? Yeah, like if, even if like, one with Fox and stuff like that. Yeah, if Fox have managed to like do stuff with like Fantastic Four with X Men with all the licenses they had, they might have been able to like hold on to yeah. properties for longer than they did. Right? Sony's just been exactly. the smartest about it because they got the one character that like everyone really cares about. I might also throw it out there: they've got the one character that's easiest to make stories about. True, and, like, and video games. Average person. Yeah. He's an average person that has <laughs> understandable powers. He's not a god tier thing. He's just like, I'm a dude. I can throw webs. I'm cool. Done. Tragic. He's he's Marvel's Batman. He's the most yeah. marketable <laughs> superhero they got. I mean, I mean, Iron Man. No one thought was marketable. Disney ma- or. Yeah. Um, uh, Marvel Studios made it marketable. Marketable, sure. Uh, well, a lot of their heroes now too are, are marketable. Yeah. But like, but br- uh, getting so back to my my thought before I lose it, um, it's like like Disney Disney was like smart to have kind of this like now this this partnership right. with them. Like Sony, sure, Sony still gets like most like licensing rights in terms of like films and and uh, and gaming for Spider Man. But it's not like yeah. Marvel can't have their thing like yeah microsoft is is basically like not really seeing the forest for the trees here and saying like well if we can't have uh a call of duty then no one should have it like why does sony get to have it it's like they signed the fucking deal like <laughs> it's <laughs> i'm also gonna throw it out there that i'm not saying sony is blameless in any of this let's be clear here sony's done shady stuff too um sure they are known for making very anti-competitive deals. They're known for working on those exclusive, like this map is only for this one thing, like Hogwarts. Yeah. He gets that one mission that only is on Sony consoles. Again, who really cares? They're like one little mission. That's like a DLC. Well, only. But um, Spider-Man and the Martin Avengers, right? Like yeah. that was yeah. kind of shady. Uh, I will say that um, even if Sony did not like 
say anything about this deal. There's a lot of reasons not to just push it through. Um, if Microsoft has one of the, I don't, I am not a huge Call of Duty fan, but it is one of the biggest properties right now in gaming. Mm -hmm. So having that with Halo and all these other properties Microsoft already owns, and then also having it with all the Blizzard properties, all these other things, it gives Microsoft a major advantage in the gaming space, especially when they have Game Pass. If they're saying, um, on Game Pass, we're going to make sure Call of Duty is free with Game Pass. On Sony, you're going to have to buy it. Um, or like all the Blizzard properties are free on Game Pass, but on Sony platforms, you have to buy it. That is a major advantage that Sony mm -hmm. cannot compete with. That's a lot Massive of property. incentive. Exactly. Um, that's the bigger thing. I, I think that right now, that and the mobile like King and all those things are why Microsoft yeah. wants this studio. So they want to basically say, hey, suddenly we have some of the hottest properties on Game Pass right now. You can't get that anywhere else. That is such a major thing for Game Pass. It makes it so it's hard for people to say, oh, I'm not subscribing to Game Pass because that 20 bucks gives you so many games. Sony could try a lot of things, but it's hard to compete with that sheer tonnage of what people want to play. Well, that, that and also COD is predominantly a PlayStation franchise. Like and the it, majority of players are on PlayStation. So. so it's basically what Microsoft is going to do is make it so they're going to steal that entire fan base and make them jump to Xbox because mm -hmm. that's where they're going to release the exclusive. They're going to make exclusive gun, whatever they choose to do. If they get that, it means that suddenly there's an influx of people wanting to buy the, uh, the series S or the series X. If they do throw COD onto game pass day one, whatever, that is such, I don't know. That seems like bad business to me. Like I, I it's great marketing. It's a great strategy to get people invested, but you're just losing some like they they're throwing everything on 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 Game Pass and like it's not getting any profits for them. I like, think it, I I don't think it's getting profits right now but it is Microsoft is known or have been known to make it so they undercut everyone else, drive everyone else in the, out of the industry and then raise the price to where they want it. They've done that yeah. with a lot of things and I could see them doing it with Game Pass where it's like 20 bucks for now like it's whatever 18.99 whatever it costs. Uh, 50, whatever it different regions, different prices, but I could see them as soon as they get Call of Duty, as soon as it gets like it's now 30 bucks a month, and yeah, people will pay it. That. It is valuable enough for people, like it's their games, and they've already raised the price of their games. What are they now, like 80, 90 bucks? Next gen stuff is uh, 89 Canadian, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, 30 bucks Canadian, I could see them doing that. It's still four months to pay for or three months to pay for what cod would cost yeah even if yeah, you're just no, renting that be, it <laughs> that seems exactly like the at the long-term mo for them right like to, to be like hey, we have the thing you want and here it is uh, that much more i mean look at what like the charge of office now what is office like 35 bucks a month whatever it is well it's even, even the fact that office is not a one and done so like no just, exactly that in yeah. itself is a, a, like outrageous um but yeah, like I mean, that's been the strategy for a while. I, I think it's starting to burn them in this department, though. Like I really, I mean, I've like looked, they've lost all footing. I th I think the games division right now has lost a lot of money. Um, I think the higher ups at Microsoft might be getting a little bit antsy with what they're doing. And I think the days of fifteen ninety nine, whatever is Game Pass right now, are short lived. And it's one way or the other, if either this deal goes through or the deal doesn't, I see Game Pass going up in price. 
either way. Yeah. Well, and if, if the deal doesn't go through, I think it's going to be bad news for them in general. Like this, I think they put too much eggs in this basket. They put too much like showing what they've already been kind of like counting the dollars before they've been spent or spending the dollars before they've been cashed, whatever way I'm bad at acknowledging today. It doesn't matter, <laughs> but they've like, they've gone all in on uh, Diablo four. They've gone all in on, um, call of duty. They've gone all in on all the things Activision is bringing to the table. If that suddenly doesn't go through, I could see there being a major shift in how Microsoft works with the Xbox. And I don't know if that's going to be bad or good for consumers, but I could see it them kind of either raising the price of the Xbox Series S or X, um, raising the price of Game Pass, or just slowly taking the games the the games that people play a lot off Game Pass to make it so some of the new games are on there or swiping them out faster so people constantly having to buy them. It's more of a bait and hook situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, like their whole insistence on digital too is just I think that's gonna bite them in the in the ass long term yeah. too. Like um like like this year they're starting to produce less physical games like if you don't yep. pre-order games with like your local retailer you're probably not going to just be able to walk into a store and get them like it's just the way they're doing it um there's advantages to digital and there's advantages to physical but i think physical has for longevity literally and figuratively in the situation i think like, i think with the ways we've seen platforms collapse this year and last um the need for having physical games is more important than ever, especially even physical media is more important than ever. Uh, HBO Max, getting rid of some major cartoons that you physically cannot buy right now. You cannot watch those shows if you, unless you pirate them, there's no way for you to watch them. Infinity Train is not available anywhere. Um, and I see that happening with the games. Like Stadia, there are certain games on Stadia that just are not available anymore because they aren't at any of the platforms and that platform was dead. So the Same thing cost- going on with Nintendo this month too, yeah. when the 3ds, we, uh, U shops shut down, like yeah. there's a lot of titles that are kind of going to be lost. Not a lot of like huge earth shattering titles, but there's some stuff that's lost like DLC for, for games that had substantial additions like fire Emblem fates. Yeah. The whole third campaign of that is a DLC only thing in, in, in English. There's physical Japanese editions that are complete, but otherwise, and the third mm. like canon path of that game is lost if you don't already own it by the end of this month. Like, yeah. Uh, and I feel that Microsoft is going to have some reckoning to do because I don't know. I, I, I don't have crystal ball. I have no idea if this deal is going to go through or not. It seems like right now there's a lot of headwinds kind of stopping it. There's three different, um, uh, the UK, EU, and uh, the US that are all kind of like, maybe this needs to change. Something needs to change here. Um, I don't think it's just Sony that is the problem. I think it is just, there's a lot of issues with massive conglomerates because what you have is these companies coming out there, buying up all this stuff, and then shutting it all down. Like shutting down studios, laying people off, reducing the things they redu- produce, reducing how people can get them, and it doesn't help the consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Microsoft has not really done anything other than like, we're the small guy. Look at how small we are. I'm like, it's not a good tactic. It's not <laughs> genuine. Like you can't be like, we're the world's biggest company, but we're kind of small. No, you're not. You're <laughs> worth, like, scrappy 200... underdogs. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> we, literally, you... we just happen to own the entire, like, or half the like PC yeah. market, right? Like, 
for literal non-gaming PCs. We're the small guy. We just have $69 billion lying around to buy something. (laughs) And and if the tables turned, Sony couldn't do the same thing either, right? Like, oh, we just have our huge TV departments and our movie production companies and like we have we are literally music sony (laughs) the amount of i didn't realize this until this uh deal went through what was like an announced for activision sony owns so much Mm -hmm. like it isn't as big as microsoft because it doesn't have like the the cloud divisions or that the enterprise stuff but it owns so many game studios it owns so many movie studios it owns so many uh, like random electronics companies that you did not realize they did. Yeah, and there's a reason why they're. I think it's number. Are they number one right now in gaming? They own just that many studios. Then it's Nintendo. Then it's Microsoft. Because they have so many that you don't even think about. Out, and like they own like so they have like five or six mobile game divisions, and they're all just weird like. Little things you'd never consider. Like uh, Aniplex is part of Sony. I I didn't even realize that, but like they have so many random games. They like that's the top of the game store. They make like a billion dollars a year on that one game. Like how? But like, (laughs) so yes, Sony is not the underdog here either. Let's be clear. Um, But let's also be clear that neither is Microsoft. No. There's zero reason for any of these companies to be like, we're the small guy. Neither of them are small. Neither of them have any reason to own this much stuff. And to say otherwise, it isn't genuine. It's like, oh, we're the the small, scrappy underdog. We were founded by one of the richest people in the world. Yeah. Mostly known for being rich. But that's uh, what he's known for being rich and like weird charity stuff. Weird philanthropy and conspiracy theories as well. But. The, you know, yeah. That was like his claim to fame for a long time. Was he's the rich guy? Yeah. <laughs> he's that guy who created rich the tech things guy. that we use or everything. Yeah. So, um, but I do, I do see Microsoft kind of tightening the belt on a lot of like the spending that the Xbox division has done. And what that means, I don't know. I think they still have a lot of money to burn. Uh, but I think that wallet is less deep than it used to be. Yeah. Um, speaking of like burning them like burning themselves uh, with strategies too. Um, one other thing that kind of came up with them recently last week uh, when it was confirmed that Baldur's Gate 3 was coming to PlayStation. Yeah. Um, it, the, the, the Larian Studios, the, the, like the developer behind it, uh, had to issue a statement saying like, there is an Xbox thing coming, but mm. we can't do it at the time of launch because we need to make sure it works on the Series X and S. Right. And yeah. I think the Series S is like... a looking like a big mistake for them to have made that in the first place i think it, it was a way small. to get it was a way to get them in the door of like it's a cheaper console that kind of does the same thing the series x does but when it has almost was it half the power or 75 percent the power not enough they're, yeah they're <laughs> very they're very different systems that's like saying i have a mid-range pc and i have a giant monster of pc back there they can kind of play the same thing like i guess they can theory, i think yeah. but in in that in that like situation, I I think that the gamers TM really did blow it out of proportion because, like that you know with the the Series X being somewhat like underpowered compared to the Series X, um, it's not like the game like Baldur's Gate won't run on it. It really yeah, was because they they wanted split screen co op on mm-hmm. it, and it was good. Like they just wanted to make sure it worked. 
on on the series s so it's like yeah it's like people kind of flipped it and made it seem like this is an outrage they say basically saying that people who bought an xbox are getting the shaft it's like but it's like but they're not they want to make sure that the game works for you so what yeah. are you getting mad about it's yeah. more the fact that because there's two platforms if it, if they could release on the series x and not make it work on the series s i guess they could work but that's not how it works like that's in the microsoft store it's both or none mm -hmm. you could have it work on you could have it work on just xbox series s and x and not any of the xbox before that but you really can't differentiate because it's, it's considered the same basic system yeah which, yeah and, and and having that caveat of oh you have to have it released on both systems i think is going to be the problem yeah like it's it's not that you're no one's saying that you made a bad decision by buying an xbox no. but there is an inherent disadvantage when you have to make a series, uh, like a <clears throat> like a Series X game, which is you know the Series X is that much more powerful than the Series S. Yeah, you can't make that run on a smaller system. That's essentially like a half step between the two generations. Like, yeah, that's what there it is. is an inherent technical roadblock there. Mm -hmm. That's just what it is. I mean, Larian probably will get around it. They just they want to make sure they take the time to do it properly, and that's fine. Yeah. It isn't yeah. saying Xbox people don't get it. You suck. It's more of we want to take the few take the few extra months to make sure that it's done properly. Because the worst thing you can do is release a game that, like, on the Series S, it just barely functions. Because then everyone's going to be like, mm -hmm. why did you release this? How dare you release something so broken? <laughs> there is There has to be a choice here. They can delay it for everyone. Or they can say, okay, we know it works on these two platforms right now. It kind of works in the Xbox Series X. But right now, the Series S is just not quite there. We're going to take some time to make sure the co-op works. Or that one option might be disabled on Series S. And that would just make people upset. No one wants that. Yeah. See, and like, um, like the, the more mal like, um, malicious part of me thinks like, oh, maybe this was part of the plan when they made the Series S. is like, oh, we have this. We, we throw this roadblock up. Like, we, like maybe we're not beating Sony going into this generation. But if you throw this little roadblock up. Maybe it's going to stop a few multi-platform games or throw some wrenches and things because it was speculated that this kind of thing happened or this kind of thing held Gotham Knights back. Yeah. Um. The the like it didn't launch quite the state that it should have launched in because they were trying to get around the Series S or whatever. That was the theory going around. I um, I think the answer is that's true. If you have, you can spec for top NPCs. The PS5 is kind of a top NPC or a high to mid range PC, and Series X is also the same. As soon as you throw a Series S in there, it is a completely different range. And consoles can't don't really let you say, well, I want to turn like the visuals down in this one. You, you can't pick and choose quite as well as you can on a PC, so you have to make choices. And because Microsoft kind of has those two platforms, it's like it's it's like how when the series the PS5 and the Series X first launched, when you had that cross-gen game. So you had games that were PS four and ps5 the p that made it so it's harder so you had that one game that it felt restricted and you're the one that was like the top end way to play and that's what we're heading right now even if it is just for the next gen stuff because that have that half step system in there that's kind of sitting between everything it throws so many like, wrenches in the gears to make everything run smoothly yeah my my, my question is i guess it's, it's the, the guy two thoughts so okay. like but like because you know, I guess maybe I wasn't paying attention as much as I should have. Like when Xbox announced 
the series s slash x like did they mm-hmm. flat out say in the beginning that it's like a less powerful system but it's yeah, going to yeah. be cheaper so it's like that's where the caveat well, they is they, like they marketed it as if it, it, an entry point to xbox like it is more powerful than the, the one x it does more things it it but it's not it, as it's, powerful it's your, as the x. it's your doorway it's if you want to have a second tv or you're just getting into gaming the series x is the way to go if you're really kind of wanting the best of the best the series x is the way to go it's it, it's, because, it's a great budget solution like if you're yeah. the kind of gamer that only has game pass that's mm-hmm. great because it's, it's 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 a cheaper option they had it still they had it down even cheaper at black friday last year um, i mean right now great for I, that, even, but. even like verizon right now if you have if you're a verizon customer in the u.s you can get a series s for 150 bucks <laughs> really that's yeah. bonkers because yeah. like so, so like this is why it's it's it seems weird to me like that it's like that that a, A, that there's like such an outrage and B, that this would be kind of like any kind of tactical move because like to me it feels very synonymous with like games that get developed for like modern consoles and the Switch. Like, yeah. like Doom Eternal, right? Doom Eternal came out on March of 2020 i can't believe that internally there wasn't conversations like okay we're gonna make it for ps4 and xbox one and you know yeah we'll see how it does maybe you know we can talk to nintendo in a couple months and see if they want it like it's like they had to have known from the development phase like that it was also going to go to switch the switch version didn't come out till december because obviously bethesda and panic root or panic button needed the time to make the game work on the switch hardware right so it's like if you if you have a console that you that you that the developer and the consumer know is like less powerful than even like like kind of like to what chris was saying right it's like that it's maybe it's just it's annoying because like it's coming out on xbox and like you know but like people who got the s have to wait a little bit a little bit for a second feature because i can't imagine the game's not going to launch with a single player intact like or if or i guess no no sorry i'm i'm, I'm confusing myself now <laughs> um <laughs> even sorry so so even with a delay right even with a delay yeah. just to make sure it works so that everything works properly it's like yeah i can see that there maybe is frustration because it's like it came out on xbox but my xbox can't run it yet like yeah. but at the same time it's like but i bought it knowing that it was less powerful hardware than the x so it's like but people don't want okay okay jordan jordan it's baffling jordan (laughs) people don't like do you really know what a teraflop is probably not yes it's a flop of terra it is a floating point operations completed per second baby it's it's a it's a complex is that what what it is actually Oh, so it's an acronym. <laughs> no, well, I mean, yes, I believe it is an acronym, but that's exploding point opera. Yeah. Okay. That's what it stands. Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> the, what did you the think average you? person doesn't know that. Okay, I get it. That's my point. That is all I was saying. So when Microsoft says this one's this many teraflops, this one's this many teraflops, you don't like, really Ooh. you don't oh, really yes. know what that means. Four bits, you say? It's basically <laughs> like me buying a car. Like, oh yeah, yeah, you gotta have that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, yeah. it sounds good, but it doesn't. For the average person, it does mean something, but the average person doesn't know what that means. Like, I, like, I, I get, I get that, but it's just like even, even at a, at a 
basic level, right? Like without without knowing how many teraflops one has over the other. If Microsoft flat out also, said when Microsoft said thing, it'll run everything the Xbox Series X can do, just it'll have some limitations. That is what they said. But if they said it has limitations, you gotta if, if that's in that's in the brain, then you know this is where the limitations start. <laughs> Maybe that has no. that people haven't like run up to it yet. No, that, that, like, that's people, the people think about it this way. People think of it as like this: you have the Mustang, and you have um, like the top end Mustang or the entry level Mustang. They're both Mustangs. They both go fast. You don't really understand what the difference between the six cylinder Mustang is over the eight cylinder Mustang. You just know they both go fast. It's not to use. You look at like, oh, that guy's drag racing me better than I am doing. Maybe there's something mm-hmm. different with my car. People just look at the type of thing it is, what they the fact, what they get when they get it. Yes. Plus, you know, like they're not, they're not leading the marketing with it's got restrictions. They're leading it with like it's a compromise. It's your budget. It's your entry level model. Yeah. Well, even then, they're not even saying it's a compromise. They're saying this is the Xbox you get for your family. They're just basically yeah. saying, yeah, because people I, just think, oh, it's slightly smaller. Sure, it's a smaller Xbox. I get it. Cool. I genuinely thought that the that the Series S was like like the like PlayStation Five digital version. Like it's the same basic console. It just it doesn't Jordan, have a you disc work, drive in it. You work in the industry. And I that's don't what you think. pay attention to these <laughs> Xboxes <laughs> on his radar. I guess yeah. But my uh, point it's, is, it's not really you work in the, you work in the industry. You've seen this stuff, and you think that. Imagine the the mom that's going to the store. She's just like, I want to get an Xbox for my kid. Oh, there's two of them. I'll get the cheaper one. He doesn't need that disc yeah. drive. Or he I get what you're saying. Yeah. What's the best Nintendo? Like, it's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that syndrome. The average person. Yes, there are people that know. Because yes, well, people, they look at the teraflops. They say that one has bigger numbers. If you, and, if the average mom's going to GameStop and saying, I want an Xbox for my kid. The guy at the store is saying, we have these two ones you can go with. This one's 600. This one's 350. This one mm-hmm. just doesn't have a disk drive. It's a little less. It does a little less. They're like, I'll go with that well, one. My kid doesn't need to do that extra stuff. That's but like I think like like kind of like to 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 my point and to to like uh, what you're saying like that's why I, I I felt like there was this this confusion because like I I kind of remember watching like the announcements for the the Series X yeah. and and the S and like and you know alongside like when the PS5 got announced too I genuinely don't remember them saying that the that the the S was like a lesser console like. Like I said, like like I thought it was comparative to the 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 PS5 digital, where it's just like it doesn't have a disc drive. It's more like a uh, like a you know a cheaper system. It's more just for like your digital downloads for people who want to just like kind of get into gaming, but like not have all this extra stuff with and the disc drives. And and if you go to a GameStop, that's how the tellers. I mean, tell I don't you. know. I don't know what all of the tellers do. I've been to GameStops, and that's what they've described it as. <laughs> I know, as someone that works in the industry, there is more than that. But it's hard to exp- – you're not going to tell the average person that comes in, this one has this many teraflops, and this one has this many teraflops. You want to do this. No one's going to say that. They're going to say, this one does a bit yeah. more. That one is a disk drive. There you go. Like if you or this, look or at- this one's 380, and that one's 600. Yeah. yeah. That's, they look well, at the it, price. It's it's for a lot of people, too. Not even just like not even just like your average GameStop employee. The fact that even like the, the console manufacturer like didn't really make it clear is like – I mean – Cause like, because, because you know why? Because the whole thing too, is that like, it's like, um, 
com- compare it to the 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 Switch, right? Okay, the Switch sure. has has three models. All of them are basically the same. Like, and Nintendo, when when the OLED got announced and people were kind of speculating that, oh, this is the Switch Pro, whatever. Like, Nintendo made no like you know made no assumptions to not to say like this isn't a more powerful console like we're telling you it's just a better screen a better kickstand and like that's all it is it's an oled screen it's not an enhanced console the 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 switch light more or less the same console but you can't plug it into a tv you can't take the the joy cons off like but it is the 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 internal components are basically the exact same like there is no Uh, there is no technical difference (laughs) jordan i think you're giving nintendo too much credit I think even when that first came out, people there were people like tearing down the Switch OLED and like maybe it's a different chip and they're just not saying. Well, so <laughs> yeah, but know, people are going to do that. But but, tin but foil Nintendo, tin foil, yeah. But Nintendo didn't say it's not the same. They didn't. They said this is the new Switch. It has an OLED screen. They just didn't talk about the power. They didn't say this has no more power. They just said these are the new features. People then said maybe it has more power. It's using new chips. Maybe it does. Like they were. To be fair, there, there there was gasoline poured on them beforehand when they yes. were like, "Oh, there's rumors of the pro system coming." Like, "Oh, they're dev kits didn't for they put the a press the release." I, re- and, yeah. I the press release, remember they, them. They never saying, said this is not more powerful. They just said the new features. Ergo, they didn't announce more power. It's insert in, in, assumed that there is no more power. But Microsoft didn't say they've they kind of talked about a market for the different things they didn't talk about why in simple terms why the x is more powerful than the s yes there is a little like sheet you can say i know this one is this many teraflops this one is this many teraflops but when you're just when you're talking about the people it's aimed for that doesn't really give the full picture yes you can look at a bunch of numbers but if you're the average the average person that buys consoles isn't the same people that average people that buy PCs. PCs look at numbers. They want to say that mm-hmm. video card is better than this video card because these numbers are higher. The people that buy consoles, especially consoles that are aimed about three to four hundred dollar range, compared to the seven hundred dollar range ones, are looking at it. Why is this one cheaper? Oh, it has a few less things. That's fine. My fifteen year old doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Or I don't he care might... on his behalf. Yeah. Yes, like... <laughs> exactly. That's the answer, right? Um. But as such, you have to take it with a grain of salt that, yes, they might have said these are the differences. The average person doesn't know what that means, like how Apple does. Uh-huh. Like there's four different versions or three different versions of the iPhone. You just – there are technically different versions in the power they have, the cameras. But most people say this is the one with the good camera. This is the one with this, is the, this size. They break it down to simple terms. The simpler it is, the best, the better the vast amount of people can buy it. If you say this is the good one, this is the less good one, they're like, why is it less good? And they don't really want to look at numbers. You're kind of stuck. That's all you can really do. Plus, I mean, Apple does himself a big favor by making the name of the iPhone model yeah. clear. It's yeah, the pro. this is the it's max. The pro max, like pro max, is kind of clunky, but at least it gets the point across. This, yeah, and Xbox the, the regular the conventions one, have always been baffling to people, to the average like, person. Like it was like one, 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 X, one X, one X, series, series S, X, series, series yeah. S. What does that all mean? It, it's all nonsense. People just think that one's the small one, one's the big one. I want yeah. one that's white. <laughs> that one's white. I want the white one. The series like, S it, has the smaller hard drives. What's called the series S. Yeah, yeah. like there's so it's so S hard for small. 
it's so hard to i mean we're really beating a dead horse here but it is really hard (laughs) just giving it uh yes that's true sure i don't know that is this one uh here i'm gonna put it on the stream oh (laughs) (laughs) i you know what i think i think maybe maybe i got like i I, i'm i don't know if i had like a mandala effect i think i could have swore i saw like a tweet or something from nintendo that basically like they laid out because people were saying like no there was there was system is blah blah there there was writers like us saying this is not more powerful but i don't think this is more powerful all that's happened was Nintendo says these are the new features, and then GameStop or us say these are the new features. It is not more powerful. Yeah, I, I mean, that's why it's, I, maybe I fabricated a memory because I could have swore like they clarified it, and I kind of remember being like, okay, like there you go, like good on them. Like they're not, you know, they're not leaving anything up to chance, right? They're any basically of the, letting out that it's not different. Any of these, any of these systems, you're always reaching the point where you can make it as technical as you want and that's going to appeal to the people that love technical descriptions but unless you make it understandable saying this is the better one than this people don't know they just think it's they think it's minor changes mm-hmm. minor differences smaller hard drive whatever at least it's not like 10 SKUs like the series uh the Xbox 1S where it had different versions but there's a there's a terabyte version of the 1S there's also a 512 there was so many different things there's also a digital 1S um yeah. so at least they're not doing that um but unless you make it as dead simple as possible the average person is not going to put the research in and that's i mean you could argue they should but yeah, most that's, people that's true. That's true oh, for any industry, though. Like, again, yeah, to go back to my but, joke earlier about me buying a car. Like, how many people buy a car in a year and have no idea what they're signing off on? Or TVs. Like, let's, go, wise. let's go with TVs for a second. I mean, does the average person know what the difference between QLED, LED, OLED, Refresh all these rates. different... T- yeah, like, the average person just <laughs> says, oh, that's a 4K TV. That one looks pretty. I'll get that. They don't realize that there's going to be some... Um, there's going to be a difference with how it like how it plays those games uh what are the refresh rates will it work with yeah the series refresh X? Rates. Like, there's so many different things in like all these thing all these devices that if you don't know what you're looking for you can easily end up with something that is not going to do what you want it to do and same way with consoles if as soon as the console becomes it isn't direct like this is the pro or this is the standard it's always going to have that obfuscation that makes it so it's hard for the average consumer to know what it can and what yeah. it can't do. Yeah. And to, to, to kind of come back to it too, like that, um, this is what I was saying earlier. Like this is why Microsoft has done themselves no favors. It's hard to hit, like to, to take them seriously. And they're like, Oh, boo hoo for us. It's like you, you threw this roadblock on and you said you, you need to make things for our half step system. Yep. That is deliberately less powerful, and that has to be like has to run on both systems, or or nothing, and you know that's just going to cause more problems for them down the line. Whereas Sony at least was prudent enough to like, you know, if they wanted to have that budget option out there, sure, take the disc drive out, but it's still the same base model, much like mm-hmm. the Switch. You know, you can still play it, the same games on it, and that's and that's the difference with the, the base model uh, PS5 compared to the like full on PS5. Other than the disc drive, it's the exact same console. I think the is the the digital one has less hard drive. Is that right? 
Uh, I think it's the same hard drive actually off the top oh, of my head. Yeah, I, literally, I, I, I know drive. there's there's a small physical difference because there's different plates for the digital. Yeah, like those those colored uh, plates they put out last year. There's different yeah. digital. It's because it's like a thinner console, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Just, like you just don't have that slot. Have you don't have the eject button, and that's yeah. basically the same system otherwise. But yeah, I mean that's the way to do it. But Microsoft wanted to have that entry level console that was that half measure that could get more people into the door. Like the PS5, the PS5 digital. It's only like what is it like a hundred dollars difference? There's not that much difference between the two. One fifty ish, I think. I forget. It's okay. off my head okay. on that one. But, but um, like the the Xbox, the Xbox Series X compared to the Series S, is almost like half the price. It's a it's a markedly different. It's a good price. chunk. Yeah, the, the Series S yeah. is six hundred. Or Series X is six hundred, and then the Series S is three eighty or something like that. Yeah, and they, they were selling it for three. I saw it for three hundred at one point around Boxing yeah, Day. And I've seen it. And as I said, in the states right now, if you're a Verizon customer, you can get it at one hundred fifty bucks. That is a very different price than a six hundred dollar console. Yeah, I mean, so, and, and and again, that cynical part of me is like, oh, they did this to like literally just kind of stop Sony by association. I don't, I like, don't think they did that. I think it's more of they wanted to have that foot in the door that makes Xbox hard to resist. Like it's like, oh, Game yeah. Pass exists, I can just jump in, play all my games, and it's going to work with everything. I'm down. I, is, want, I, I want. I think yeah. they would have been better served by making one system at a cheaper rate. And you know, play it with things they already have in place. Like they're all they have the all access program where you can finance the Xbox. That's baked yeah. into their economy. Um, if you if you put the the Series X out like a hundred bucks cheaper, take the S off the market, so you're not eating caught like eating loss on every system you make there too. I think, I think it would have been more prudent for them. I the think end, the better but... thing. I agree. I think they should have done the same thing that Sony did. Maybe make a a version of the X that's like cheaper by like no hard drive, smaller uh, or sorry, no disk drive, smaller hard drive. And like make it like instead of 380, make it so it's like 450. Yeah. And they could probably have made that happen. They're, they're losing money on each console either way. Make it so both consoles have equal power. Because let's be honest, the chip is not the biggest cost in that system. Yeah. Yes, it's a cost, but putting the Series X chip in there over the Series S chip. To the cost of Microsoft is probably not that much more. They probably could have done something that allows the systems to be basically comparable without they finding ways to like, cut the cost. Like the hard drive, make it like a 128 gig hard drive. I don't care. They could have done something. So they you need to buy those extra external hard drives. You need to do all this other stuff to get it to work. But it makes it the foot in the door of a console that is equal to the bigger the big brother. And I think that would have been the better way to do it. Yes, the Series S is a great system. You just want to get a get a thing because it's going to have everything the Series X has. But Microsoft also shot themselves the foot because it means that there's going to be two SKUs. And that means there's two SKUs of every Xbox Series S X game you do put out there that will have vastly different requirements. Like not to mention, say like I've seen a fair share of like buyers or more being like, oh, I bought this thing and I got upgrades to the Series X anyways because it doesn't do all the things I want it to do or yeah. I've, I've, I've even seen that with the Series X in general being like, there's nothing on this I can't play elsewhere. Yeah. I have a gaming PC already. Like, this is redundant to me. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's Microsoft's in a weird spot, but it's also hard to feel sorry for them when, they, when they're asking for it through all the proceedings to be like, oh, let us go through with this because look, woe, woe was us, but like, you put yourself here <laughs> also. Yeah. Uh, I agree. That was Anyways, a, that was a uh, little bit of a tangent. Shall we wrap up with <laughs> um, wrap up with the um, the final story? Maybe the Destiny thing. Yeah. So um, Destiny is 
our, our topic here is Destiny is back. Um, Destiny's a new expansion, Lightfall, came out on Tuesday, went live, mm-hmm. and uh, brings with it some huge... I, I logged in, I was actually, as a veteran of the game, who's been with it since basically D1 launched, I was amazed, actually, though some of the stuff they changed. Um, Brennan, were you checking it out as well? I jumped in quickly but i have i've had no time to play games well that, that's always a factor i know <laughs> <laughs> um, what is this yeah. gaming you speak of we should, we should really make a magazine about this gaming thing I weird yeah. i know right <laughs> print maybe you can read it like a bitch wow <laughs> comment section fire tonight um <laughs> anyways yeah um destiny has really done some big revisions in terms of like quality of life features mm-hmm. um you've finally got like loadouts so you can customize your loadout based on what you want to do like power wise so it's always mm-hmm. it was always kind of a hassle frankly i just didn't even bother with it i just kind of stuck in my in my lane and didn't really and, and this is the last thing. this is the last expansion for destiny 2 or is the one after this uh so they're they're taking a lot of notes from Final Fantasy fourteen, um, okay. and they're saying that the like the current storyline up to this point it's been like the saga of light and dark or whatever something like okay. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next expansion next year, the final shape is the last part of that. Okay, uh, but they're not necessarily like, saying so. They're not saying that's the end of Destiny two. They're just saying that's the end of this chapter of Destiny two. The story. I don't know if there's going to be Destiny three beyond that. I think they want to avoid that if they can. So basically, but, make it so this is the next chapter, like. Do kind of like what Warframe or all those any kind of live service type games do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and again to put it in like Final Fantasy fourteen perspective, it's basically the Endwalker of Destiny, where like Endwalker was the yeah. culmination of that story up to that point, and they've started right. laying new foundations for the, beyond that. Right. Okay. Um, so narratively, that's what's going on with 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 uh, with Destiny is that they're building this is the penultimate arc. They're adding like a new darkness class, which is thematically opposed to the powers you start out with. Uh, now but a little uh, more neutral just on that note does this release as a full price game does it release as a 30 dollars game how does what is the because i know most of destiny up to this point is free or how does that work i was gonna say did so, it not go free to play or something this is kind of this is where i have a bit of a weird perspective because like i said i've been with i've been playing destiny since i got my ps4 just after destiny one came out right um so like i've been buying the yearly releases and stuff like that so it's a bit of a weird perspective to me as i'm firmly firmly in the trenches here so it went right. free to play um and if you i i believe the expansion pack for lightning lightfall is about uh 65 bucks i believe it is okay Canadian. so it's, it's almost a full price game almost a full price it's the same kind of price that square enix releases like like crisis core and theater rhythm at right, right. um it's that and you have price and point. you get all the expansions up to this point how does that work so now that's again that's the blind spot I've got as a okay. <laughs> someone who's been buying it every year, right? They've they've effectively been ringing me every year for the full price of the game. Right, right, fair enough. So I don't have a great perspective on that, but they do also still sell some of the older expansions. Um so the first few years of the game were basically added to that free to play thing. Okay. Um and a lot of it was sunsetted. Um like so like the original raid from when the Destiny 2 came out was just not available. They took okay. it off, um, and now it kind of makes sense because the villain from that raid is back in the story in a big way. So okay. like, he was off for story reasons, like any inaccessible for that for those purposes. Um, okay, so what is? There's a lot of. Okay, so Lightfall is for sale. 
then they have the Legacy Collection. I'm guessing that's all the expansions before Lightfall. Mm-hmm. Oh no! They, they, then they have the Witch Queen Shadow Keep. Uh, but the Witch Queen is now like fifteen bucks, and Shadow Keep is like eight. Yeah, Witch Queen's on sale because like that was last year's expansion. Right. Um, so, so that's come down. come that's come down quite heavily. And then the the Legacy Collection. It seems like it includes a few expansions in there. Plus, they yeah, also did a thing where you could um, get just like exotic items from previous seasons that weren't available okay. anymore. Like you could just buy a pack if you're a new player and just get access to those things. Okay. Um, so if you don't want to, if you just want to jump in, you can just buy. You get the game base game for free, and you can get this expansion and basically have what you need to just jump into the storyline. And again, Final Fantasy 14 comparison, it's got like that free trial basically, like where you okay. get to do up to so much just just but just to try it they, like they, they get you hooked on that much hoping right. that you'll buy the 65 dollars expansion which um I, I believe you'd probably be better off with like the higher level because that comes with the season pass because then you get the extra stuff for the whole year right um, but that is the state of games that we're in where we need to worry about things like that okay so the legacy collection includes <laughs> the witch queen beyond light and shadow keep that is what the legacy collection has and then everything mm-hmm. before that seems to be part of like free either part of free or um sunsetted currently yeah. like an, currently exact uh inaccessible um <laughs> to raw loose points in our in our youtube chat it does indeed look like it's inspired by the disco era uh so there's a brand new era or brand new area which is kind of a, a big thing for the game you haven't really had uh entirely new section like this before or not not right. before but for a long time it's always been based off of like existing enemies um, but there's a whole new city that's a huge atmospheric shift for right. the game. It's a, like a bright neon city. And the, um, Witch Queen was the kind of the dark, dark chapter. Is that right? Yeah, Witch Queen was based off of the Hive, which is like one of the one of the earliest big bads you'd run into in the series. Um, okay. Very dark, kind of like Lovecraftian almost <laughs> influence, where you're like there's enemies from beyond the universe or beyond existence or whatever. And that one, that one had really interesting visuals. I have to say that. Very I, that's always been my favorite faction so yeah i was i was loving that and it had it, they went to some really cool areas with that um last year my review for for the witch queen actually said this was like narratively one of the best expansions for destiny mm-hmm. and i haven't had as much time with it as i would have liked to so far this week it's right. always hard with these live service game or it is you have to, you have to wait things. for them to come out yeah yeah um but so far i think it's potentially one of the best expansions for it, period because it's really those quality of life things it's got it's continuing that narrative thread like they've really started to pull the narrative in the, in the right direction and how they mm-hmm. uh, execute it mm-hmm. um the quality of life things are huge like there's much more guidance for players now when you log in there's a thing being like okay you've done this this and this we're putting you at this rank here's the thing you should be doing next um so like i've been playing the game for a long time but i'm not like like i don't do the high-end raids i'm not like a super right, right. high-end end game player so i was i was placed at like rank six mm-hmm. so it's like okay you've done this this and that do the life fall campaign mess around with this stuff right and then, like you'll get ranked up and you get your next list of um kind of goals which is kind of huge because it's always been kind of vague for people especially mm-hmm. since they've moved into like the live service model where each week there's new story content effectively mm-hmm. So if yeah. you miss out, like sometimes you might log in and you're like three or four weeks ahead in the story if you just right. jump to the nearest thing. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> you you put Destiny is back in the, uh, down as the topic for this, and that's a great one, great way to put it. Like it, it's it's a great time to get into the game and check it out. It's between that free trial and what 
the expansion pack is doing. I think this is probably like one of the highest points the game's been at. Now, um, for someone that might not have like gotten to this point, is, is it easy to jump into Destiny? How hard would it to be to say I'm I'm going to get get Destiny? It looks like it's like a thing I want to jump into. Is it insurmountable? Is it like wow, where you have like basically people just are going to crush you as soon as you jump into the game? This is actually, a, we should do a story on this because, like I said, I'm deep in the trenches. I've yeah. read some of the supplementary like, materials. I'm a big guest. I have a collection of collectibles and stuff like that. I'm not like a lore master, but I know what's going on narratively. Um, and I just, and I've, I'm at the current story point all the time. I don't know what it looks like if you log in with an entirely fresh account yeah. right now. So I'd be, I would love to see that perspective actually from someone else on staff or even if there's anyone else listening who's got some perspective on that for us. Right. Um, I think mechanically it might be one of the best ways to do that now that they have this in place because right. again, there's that guidance, right? Like it's been like saying like, Oh yeah, at your level, you should be checking out this activity. That's like the PVP activity or right. like for Ryan, but it's like, Oh, try the trials of Osiris, which is this weekend challenge PVP event. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much to do in the game and they're finally guiding you through it. I think it's probably going to be one of the best ways or one of the best times to get new people on board. It's awesome. But again, I, I have a skewed perspective, so someone should someone should on, on staff should help me out with this one and, and offer the opposite perspective. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Um, awesome. I'm sure that a lot of us want to jump into Destiny. Maybe I'll try that. I probably won't. Maybe Dana <laughs> will try it. Dana, I would love to see Dana try it. Crossplay's out there. Ooh. So I can help you out. Chat's blowing up here. It is. I feel like an RPG never it, saw it, people. Yeah. It, it see this. Uh, you know what? It's actually a good point because I've just like been like kind of looking at the website right now, trying to see yeah. like how does one go about getting into Destiny, and it does seem like even from like kind of going back to our previous conversation, like from a consumer standpoint, it right. seems somewhat confusing to see like okay, like what. What do I have to buy exactly to get I think right into now, Destiny? From my understanding, from what Chris has said, it is just you get the original Destiny for free or Destiny 2 for free, and then you can buy the Legacy Collection. You don't need to, and you buy Lightfall. So just Lightfall and the free game. So because like Lightfall plus the annual pass. You don't necessarily need the annual pass, from what I understand. It just gives you. It's like the Fortnite thing where you get extra stuff. Yeah, so like when the next, but like when the next season starts, I'll just like be a part of it. Yeah. So Dana has a great point. For the record, uh, check out her article on gatekeeping MMOs Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of that would factor into this conversation here as well. Um, But yeah, I think uh, so. Lightfall, the way it works. When you like for me when I log in right now, there's the Lightfall campaign, which is like the mm-hmm. expansion pack story, which you know would have been your traditional like wow, Miss of Pandaria type thing. You have that right. whole storyline mm-hmm. have you. They're also doing the seasonal narrative that they've been doing. Like there's still like it's season twenty, if I'm not mistaken, or something mm-hmm. like that. Um mm-hmm. so there's a whole separate um uh storyline going on there. But they kind of framed it like, oh, the the witness, this big battle that's finally been revealed, is fighting right. a war with us on two fronts. So the the lightfall is like off on this new planet on like uh like around Neptune at the far end of the solar system, and there's also like the war <laughs> close to home. So like the season story is closer like set on Earth, and there's more there's different characters involved. Um, so there's, there's still two separate like, things they want you doing at the same time, or alternating, or do one or the cool. other. 
It's like there's so it's like there's like free content. There's like the free war you fight and the paid for war that you fight. Yeah, yeah basically. But uh, I, See, I like, don't know offhand if the season current season is included in Lightfall, and it's just the ones that'll like come between now and like next year that are included mm. in the season pass, or if it's only the seasons in the season pass. But that's confusing. I liked Destiny. It's, it is. I like. I, I wanted to like jump back into it, but like it's just now it just it does seem like like price is a barrier because I can't imagine spending like Lightfall by itself is sixty two dollars. If the next like season thing is anywhere close to that, it's like every like what like couple of years I'm spending the the price of a full game for the privilege to continue playing the game I already have like. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a thing that I've never really had a qualm with because I've always, like, this is my favorite shooter. Like, um, I mean, like, I think it, view it as an MMO is how I kind of yeah. see it. Whereas you're going to, an MMO is going to have all those different expansions. And, and if you want to keep going on with the storyline, you're going to buy those expansions because that's where everyone's going to do it. You can still enjoy the game without them, but you're going to miss out on, on the new, like, cool areas, the new heroes and new expansion stuff. But you'll still get, you can still play the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that is kind of how Destiny kind of does it. And instead of having the monthly subscription, you have the season pass that gives you all those extra raids and all that other stuff. Yeah, Dana's reminding us it is an MMO. <laughs> it kind of is. Um, yeah, it's just the, that that distinction between MMO and MMORPG yeah. used to be a bigger thing. Um, but like you say, with this, the season pass is basically replacing the subscription fee that yeah. you know I paid for Fantasy fourteen every month, like. I guess that's you, fair. I, either way, you're still poning up every now and then, right? Like, yeah. Which goes on to support the development of further content. You know, they won't keep making it. They can't support further development if you're just buying the game once seven years ago, right? Like, they have to have something on board to keep going, I guess. Yeah. It's a, it's how it it's used a weird to model. But, back, um, in, back in the, old, the good old days. Used to used to buy the game for the Nintendo, and that would just be it. Damn it. The Nintendo, and, that would, yes. and, and yeah. the sales of that game would support the development of the next game, and on and on it went. I'm going to throw it over Jordan. That's not actually true. <laughs> eh, wasn't it though? I mean, games back then didn't have to rely on as many as many like marketing deals because and they, subway they also were and... smaller. Subway they were smaller experiences. Yeah, some of them they could have been made in like a weekend. You can't do that anymore. They didn't need to make money in perpetuity was the was the point. They kind of made their money and then they continued. It wasn't like they needed to continue to find ways to like squeeze money out but of their pockets. But it also wasn't the biggest industry in the world, and now it is. Well, and it didn't take six years to develop like a triple A game back then either. No. Like, you know, the Mario's and stuff like that were developed within a year for the most part, or like in that yeah. ballpark. I mean, um, some of the smaller games, smaller teams, and some of the smaller games were designed literally in a few months. You can't develop a AAA game in a few months; it's just physically impossible now. Even if you're using Unreal Engine Five, yeah. For, I mean, you could for, technically just use the Unreal thing, put in a map, put it in the characters, they were done. But that's not how really game development works anymore. You theoretically could make a thing in a little shorter amount of time. It wouldn't be a game you'd want to play. Just as the galaxy mm. is current, is constantly expanding, so is so is development. I guess, yep. <laughs> Which, especially uh, at 4K. So is the amount of money going into the pockets of CEOs. Yeah, I mean, well. yeah. Let's be clear here: <laughs> they don't need to charge eighty, ninety dollars for a game. They really don't. 
They just want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, the cost of hiking games never went up. It was the also, cost of CEOs. If the game costs more, you're going to want to get in a service that makes it cost less. Ah, it all comes back around again. Everything's connected, man. Seen <laughs> my tinfoil What's... hat and we're ready to go. <laughs> Before we get the, the tinfoil hats on, I think that's, uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, if you'd like to read more on these topics and more, you can find full coverage at cgmagonlions.com. Be sure to follow CG Magazine on all the socials. Just search for CG Mag and you'll find us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to podcast at cgmagonline.com. Jordan, where can people find you? You can find me sometimes on Instagram and sometimes on TikTok at NinjaXJordan, or you can find me on YouTube at NinjaJordanReviews. You can find me at BFry26 on Twitter and Instagram and I guess now that's about it. That's it. <laughs> All I, I, I mean, what social media is weird now? Facebook. Social media is weird. MySpace, um, Friendster. And you can find me on, on well, the socials at Hoogafy. Uh, I've tried some other weird socials that haven't quite panned out. I'm like, what, what are you up to, Hive and Spoutable? Are you going anywhere? No. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's, that's a bit. <clears throat> I'm choking up. That's going to do it for us this week. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Bye.